0: Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I'm joined by Timothy Wataki. He is the CEO and co-founder of Omada One. Timothy is a veteran of the Philippines. He's been here over 15 years himself. He is a veteran of the outsourcing industry. And relatively recently, back in 2021, he founded Omada One, setting up his own outsourcing firm based on his own executive experience of the industry. So it's a great conversation with Timothy to chart his journey, both in the Philippines as a person, but also through outsourcing as a professional. We discuss, of course, Omada One and all of the changes and updates in outsourcing. So as always, I hope you enjoy. If you want any of the show notes, go to OutsourceAccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Timothy, you're a bit of a veteran of the Philippines. I've been here 10 years myself. You have been here just 15 years now, I believe. So you really know the place inside out. Let's start with that. Like, What what brought you over to the Philippines and what on earth made you stay for such a long time? Yeah, I came
1: over here on a project. You know, I'm originally from San Francisco, California, and came over here on a kind of a short-term project to build a center for my client that was also in San Francisco and came over here and started working here on a project and really just found the Philippines to be a beautiful, beautiful country and the people and the environment and started building the center and wound up staying and extending my trip a little bit not thinking I was going to stay here and next thing you know I was staying another you know, three months so and here I am uh, now happily married we've got two children and my wife is from the Philippines so pretty much didn't leave after that so that's how it all started. Congratulations.
0: I mean, you know, there's obviously a small bunch of us of expats in the Philippines, but it's quite a common story, isn't it? You know, like people come over expecting nothing and expecting to stay a matter of days or weeks and years later, they're still here and have a family. Yeah, uh, it's it's crazy. It really is when you least
1: expect it. I didn't have any intentions, just really was staying in a hotel and working on this project and getting it done uh, towards the end of the year. And uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah
0: things uh but things happen for a reason it it worked out great and i think it's quite an enticing country because certainly as an expat as well there's just so much opportunity and i think it's a little bit like back to the future you can sort of see how things will evolve and you see the opportunities and of course philippines with its english and outsourcing and the, the fact that that can be sort of offered to the west there's just so much opportunity but then in contrast i think so much has happened in the last 15 years but in some respects not that much has unfortunately happened so how do you you know in in a sort of summary of in in a very short summary how, how do you see the last 15 years of evolution of the philippines and in, in terms of opportunities and business
1: good question like, again when i came here you know 15 years ago it, it wasn't I, I think the technology wasn't as advanced as it is now right? when i came here we were doing a lot of premise-based technology doing installation, a lot of hardware on the actual physical site. I don't think the cloud, you know, cloud technology was really established yet, so to speak. So, you know, building the contact centers and the technology and the Internet, everything is just completely advanced in the last 10, 15 years, and it's just helped build the presence for general outsourcing. We've always, you know, I think the country in general has had a really good reputation for providing... Voice services and staffing, but definitely the technology has really driven that as a, a destination for remote staffing here in the last 10, 15 years. And the people, of course, the quality of the neutral English and the school and universities and people getting started in the business is, you know, increased, I would say at least 10 to 15% each year to where we are now. And now, of course, the majority of outsourcing is cloud based because of the. The advanced technology. So yeah, it's definitely been an amazing
0: ride since I've, I've come in the beginning days. Mm. Those infrastructure rails, you know, when you first came and set up a facility, it was really difficult, wasn't it? Because you were in an emerging economy environment and things were tougher and internet was really bad and you had to set up servers and all that. Now, it is all in the cloud. It's all uh, done for you. It's sort of pay as you go, Really super simple. and But, you know, previously having to set up all of that stuff was actually your moat, whereas now anyone, it seems, can start an outsourcing business. They can't necessarily operate a proper one, but they, anyone can sort of get going. And mm-hmm. so there's this proliferation of all these upwork workers becoming BPO's and mom and pop shops. And how do you see that in terms of the pros and cons of we've kind of lost our moat? it's opening up a lot of opportunity but then there's also a lot of kind of loose competition out there
1: true i think again as we talk about technology and and now someone that was looking to start a, start a, a business and outsourcing you know i think ai and the technology right the, the the power technology is growing more and more these days so you know pretty much anybody could come here as far as how these technologies in the cloud have really um, revolutionized and elevated the, I would say, the operational dynamics of remote staffing. Now, again, the AI allows us in the cloud to to basically set up a lot of the operations where there's not really a lot now physically on site, right? It's you've got the elements of human resources, the staffing, recruitment, but AI really streamlines the the recruitment process by automating a lot of the screening of candidates. And you know, all the stuff that was done physically can now be done out in the cloud, right? Analyzing resumes, identifying top talent. It, it aids that employee onboarding and performance management process.
0: And to that point, I mean, people don't even need the site now, do they? You know, like, especially since yeah. COVID, people are just casting away the need mm-hmm. for facilities, whereas only five to 10 That's years right. ago, you, know, you weren't anything unless you had a proper site and infrastructure that's now right that seems optional as well yeah i mean 15 years ago when i came there there was no such thing as remote staffing
1: it was offsite. it was all on site we would build the centers we would bring in the hardware everything was is was premise based and everybody that was being hired were all on site but against of course all that has changed now where it's become a hybrid model we're working remote from home as long as they have good technology and internet they could basically log in and take calls right Versus an out-premise space, they are, you know, it's definitely even out today, where even customer service is automated.
0: I kind of feel it's the thin end of the wedge. Like, there's a lot of people in outsourcing in the industry that are embracing this work from home, work remote, it's all in the cloud. But it, it's kind of the thin end of the wedge in that I think they're almost redundating their position in the industry. Because if you don't need a facility and everything has been done in the cloud and everything gets easier and easier, then at some point you don't actually need the intermediary. Do you, do you see that as a potential progression where, you know, it, the, the sort of value add that the outsourcing firms add becomes so slight that people mm-hmm. just go direct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. And that
1: is, that, that's what we see happening you know, in now in the industry where, you know, it's really about building the relationships when, you are speaking to candidates and they'll tell you, look, I, I've got a family and I'm not able to commute to the site. Are you okay with us, you know, myself working remote? And you have to acknowledge that and respect their wishes, right? Because they do have choices now, whereas before they did it. So it's, you know, building trust and uh, understanding the cultural differences and working with their schedules and, you know, providing that, that opportunity for them again to work from home versus that mm-hmm. just wasn't around any time before. So again, it's it goes back to good old um, fashioned finding and retaining the talent, and making sure that you provide them the, the necessary tools, and they've got good they have a good working laptop. But those are really the key factors when it comes to you know the combination of working on site or working from home
0: remote. So Timothy, you're very much an industry veteran, and you have obviously been based in the Philippines the heart of the outsourcing industry for the last 15 years, but recently you you made the move to build your own firm. Can you tell us, and that's obviously matter One, can you tell us your journey from executive to founder and what what prompted you to make that jump? Yeah, well, I, I, I had a previous BPO
1: before, but it was not here in the Philippines. I started a, a BPO a while back, close to even before I came to the Philippines, that we started actually in the U.S. And we also were providing in Central and South America. So it was a combination of English and Spanish support. And that's kind of where I, I started the business, the previous business. And we did that for a couple of years and, and it went pretty really well. And then hence <clears throat> came to the Philippines after that. But a model one, we were kind of waiting. It was really based around finding the right time to launch model one. We were dealing with the COVID-19 and all the things that hit us while we were here. so. My business partner and I, once the COVID was able to clear up and they opened up the airports again, we decided to launch a Model one, which is toward the end of 2021. We were born, so we started to here in, in Makati um, and then we expanded the, the company into the province where we have our delivery center, which is located in Clark, which is about an hour, hour and a half from Makati. But what do we do? We are a sourcing company and we provide, again, that dedicated remote staff and offshore staffing services, both on site and remote work from home. And we build and we scale dedicated, you know, pretty much custom tailor fit support teams that, that meet our customers' expectations. And we kind of stayed to, and again, we've been in the business a while. So. With the launch, we decided to kind of stick to the niche, the specialization that we feel are, we're really good at. And that's kind of the niche areas or industries that we know um, for our clientele. So we, I think our main services, we stick to accounting, bookkeeping, CPAs, and then we do a lot of digital marketing and social media content work. But that's kind of what, I guess, uh, what would be our niche specialization.
0: Right, right. And, you know, again, like leaning on your vast executive experience of outsourcing, is there any, you know, where do you see the opportunities in the industry generally? Like the industry generally seems quite split between enterprise and SME and then equally kind of done for you CX type services versus a staff leasing service. Is there any, it, it seems like you kind of went for the SME staff leasing kind of area quadrant. But is there any sort of, how do you see the other sectors and any reason why you necessarily settled on that model? Yeah, good question. I mean, what what we find is, you know, when you're
1: starting a, a BPO or a, a small central operation, because of the technology and the cloud, you're allowed to, you can pretty much start it you know, wherever you want. And we, We've seen that. But we also realize that, sticking to our runway and not spreading ourselves too thin so a lot of people ask you're trying to stay away maybe from a lot of the services that you did before we stick to the products and services that we feel we can do really well with in those niche markets where that also the competition is not so heavy so you know traditional customer service technical support back office admin support we, we we tended to kind of hold off on those products when we launched just because again we stick we we started off with a lot of non voice work accounting bookkeeping CPAs financial we also do dental and healthcare which doesn't require a lot of the voice work it's more about the data entry work so yeah we see you know the enterprise business continue to grow but again for someone starting out that's what we feel the the type of solutions that we can offer without heavy heavy competitors right in this very competitive market.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. And what is your, you know, you have a foot in both worlds. Of course, you are from SF, which is the cradle of industry and innovation in terms of uh, the tech realm. And I'm still surprised that not everyone these days are outsourcing or offshoring at least part of their team. It to me, yeah. the penetration rate just seems way too low considering the value proposition of outsourcing, the ease of outsourcing and the availability, like what do you see as the, you know, and not just SF, because I see there's a bit of kind of elitism in SF. Like they have too much money to throw around. And when, you know, you have too much money, then you don't ever need to economize. But hopefully that's all changing now. But where do you see the issue with businesses coming on board with outsourcing or the resistance, or is it just they're not actually aware I think that's a great question and I talk to people every day about this
1: you know a lot of people they're not aware they, they're not really educated I, I try every day to, to educate people when I'm speaking to when I'm doing a discovery call for example and we're talking to someone in San Francisco or're talking to someone in maybe Brisbane or Sydney or London we talk about outsourcing in general you know why not consider outsourcing right I kind of share stories which kind of resonates with a lot of people about you know, some of the world's most well known brands, company leaders that everybody knows are outsourcing. And I kind of share that and educate them of, you know, outsourcing really has become an integral strategic asset in their arsenal. So I talk about, for example, some airlines, like let's say United or Delta, British Airways, Qantas, I use them as kind of a prime illustration, while airplanes and fuel undeniably play a pivotal role in their operations. They don't constitute the ent- entirety of their business, right? They, for example, out- Apple outsources majority of their entire product lines, manufacturing to spe- specialist partners here in Asia, right? They don't do that in San Francisco. These industry giants recognize that the power of outsourcing, you know, the non-core functions to specialists, like people like us, um, allows them to really focus and concentrate on their core competencies, right? As far as what they do best. Um, apples are apples brilliant when it comes to marketing and product management but it's all made here they're all made in southeast asia so i think helping people understand what is really truly outsourcing it's finding niche partnerships and so we that's what we do we serve as educators and partners that really help them educate them on on the pros the cons the good the bad uh, of outsourcing and that's what I find really helps when I'm talking to people about what is outsourcing, where do we see the trends? And where do we see the, the industry, you know, heading And Let's say, for example, they're saying why the Philippines? Well, again, yeah, we we, could, we educate them, you know, all the, the good things that are available here in the Philippines, as a world's call center hub now between here and India, how the quality and the capabilities and adapting to advanced technologies are here now, they're all in place. Um, Mm -hmm. So I kind of educate people about that because, again, I've been here for 15 years now. So I've seen that transformation of technology and learning skill sets where even before there was no such thing as KPO, right? People know BPO, but they don't know about knowledge process, whereas before, 10, 15 years ago, people weren't looking at knowledge process and uh, a lot of those skill sets that now we do have in the Philippines, they, they just hot. weren't
0: around, were they? I, I, you know, I yeah, they have been out. outsourcing here for sort of, whatever, almost 15 years. And back then, it was very basic skill sets. But now, there is a sort of full range of skill sets. And, and I think those, that higher range of capabilities are more applicable to SMEs, aren't they? Because they need generalists. They need people that have initiative. They need multidisciplinary mm-hmm. people. They need kind of techie sort of roles. 15 years ago, it wasn't available. But now, that whole suite of roles is available. And also, as you say, like the technology is so much simpler. You know, there's just so much less friction. Um, That's right. It's funny and, like and that the penetration is and so It is. It, and again, it just, these are some of the things that
1: we've seen evolve, right, in the last, you know, 5, 10, 15 years where it just wasn't around. But now the people, they've got the skill sets, they've got the education, they've got certifications. You know, every major company in the United States, UK, Europe, australia they're all here right now because it allows people to really support those functionalities right where before they just didn't have the skill sets or they didn't have the training to
0: do it yeah and i you know i wrote a book and I, i mentioned this in in that every single big company offshores to some extent and you know especially if you throw in the manufacturing component then absolutely every large company offshores and they've been doing it 20 30 years but 20 right. years ago it it just not it was not available for SMEs the rails were not in place and the infrastructure was too expensive so it was not available and now it's available but now I think the SMEs think that it's this it's the sort of reserve of the big conglomerates only and it's highly complex and it's difficult to get into and they also associate it with the call centers as opposed to staff augmentation so i think it's just a it's a massive sort of education piece isn't it just people need to it is have, it is build awareness build comfort as well bill yeah you know the, uh, that comfort and awareness and just
1: providing the the information them both the good the bad and the ugly i call it i just try to show them all the various components when you're looking to outsource and providing them examples and stories of what i went through and some of the things that i've seen and you know, and if you're looking to build a remote business here, I tell them here are some of the major challenges that I personally face, along with the considerations that for them to, to look at. And I tell them again the challenges, considerations, and things that that, that we see, you know, for people that are aspiring to, to set up an operation here. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 again, I, I try to be as transparent as I can, you know, I and when it comes to transparent and pricing. I talked to them about client engagement. Um, again, sticking to your niche, right? Again, that's a, I think that's the most important, right? S- specializing in that specific niche, industry, or a skill set. Stick to the area that you know well and avoid spreading yourself too thin. And catering to those businesses, like you said, the, the small, medium businesses that are seeking expertise in that particular niche. That's what we've been doing, right? Since we launched. It, and that's really worked out well.
0: And what do you say to people? There's obviously the the tension between low cost and, you know, real value. And I think there's a big tension in outsourcing because it is associated with a low cost service. And then people take that to an extreme where they don't want to pay two, more than $2 an hour for something. And how, how do you have yeah. that conversation with people ensuring that they understand that… Yeah you know, there is a necessary markup, not least on top of the salaries to ensure that they're properly compliant and employed and paying government contributions. But then, of course, as an intermediary to provide the facilities, infrastructure, oversight, account management, recruitment, all of those things. How do you find those conversations go with the people that are sometimes surprised that there's a margin on top of a salary?
1: Yeah, well, you, I have this call every day, right? I have it every day with people that Will say, "Wow, you're really expensive." I just got a, you know, I just got a quote for two fifty an hour. I'm like, wow. You know, I bite my tongue every day when I when we talk about this uh, because, again, we go back to education. I show them, I just all I can do is say, "Look, there's the old saying, you know, apples to apples, and really showing uh, a, a, a true comparison." You know, when we provide, I let them know the difference. When, you provide good benefits, right? You provide um, you know great place for them to work and, and healthcare and all these things from day one. Provide them with a great laptop. That those things add up. Where we tell them that, yeah, you can always find some lower price um, vendor partners out there. But again, if you really do a comparison and you we show you where we are from a price standpoint of where your country's. Offering the same type of people, you look at those costs. And I give them examples. You know, for example, let's say, you know, somebody asked me, look, you're way more expensive than I just have a quote. I'll say, Well, your digital marketing specialist in say Sydney is going to run you eighty
0: to ninety thousand dollars a year. Mm. And we with always the, with the overheads on top of that, with the office costs, with the hardware, with it's Yeah. With all the things that
1: are added on to that, you're looking at 100000 dollars a year. And I, I always tell them from day one, we, we can usually save you on average between forty-two to sixty-two percent um, ROI savings compared to what you're paying in your local city, right? And that stands true. And that's really where we can save them. And and I just don't try to get involved in the the low cost war, I, I call it. It just I'm I stay true to people, I let them know the the value you're gonna save. 40, 50, 60% from what you're going to pay for this same digital marketing specialist in Sydney. We're going to give you, give you an amazing, experienced person for a fraction of those costs. And that value is immediately, right? So, again, you, you, I, I can't beat it because they're, they're going to tell you that I, I I got three quotes for $5 an hour. Just, again, you can't. I just I try to educate them as best we can. We wind up winning you know a good amount of the business each month the new clients because they do come back and say yeah <clears throat> we you know, we stumbled we hired that person for five dollars an hour and it was a complete nightmare um, you know and then they go on to tell it all the things and the pain the painful things they experienced and they end up coming back to us and so I always keep the door open I always tell them look you know there's there is always going to be a low-cost provider but when you've done your research and you've you've done the comparisons and you, we're, we're here Happy to help you, and and when you come back, and they do, you know, sixty, seventy percent will come back and say, "Yeah, you're right. We tried the cheap cheap solution; and it just didn't work. It was not a good. It was not a good fit. They had left us in the middle of you know, a very important
0: campaign." It's
1: so totally yeah, that's, because I think the total easy. like
0: people see the total price, and I don't know, they kind of look at it compared to a SaaS or something. But it's like, you know, you don't yes. want to drive down to the lowest cost. Like in Sydney, you know, you mentioned a salary of 80 or 90. You you can get a similar person for 20,000 in Sydney. You know, you'd be scraping the bottom of the barrel, but you would find someone and they're not going to be any good, you know. And so you can always push prices down, but it's always that balance with quality and capability and results but it's it's difficult to convince them on a sales call isn't it because as well i find that it we are genuinely advising these people and telling them what a good right. reasonable salary is and what market rates are and you know correct they see it as a bit of a sales spiel and so i think that there's a bit of an adversarial they're not going to completely you know trust in your 15 years of experience because you are trying to sell them so it's it becomes difficult <laughs> it, you know? and then they is. have to go and they have to go to onlinejobs.ph and find the $2 worker and get disappointed and then come back. It's, it's They come crawling right? back, but it is.
1: Yeah. It, it, but it does, you know, and again, that's why we try to educate them as best we can. We, we give them the research. We show them the comparisons. We have a whole research team that, that shows them. This is not us. We're, we're sharing the information that we got from the providers in your area. And this is what they say, right? The seeks and the glass door and then people that have posted their salaries so we show that right away in comparison when we're giving pricing and we tell them make sure you do due diligence and make sure you understand what you're getting for two dollars an hour because this is what we provide and we have a retention rate of close to 97 to 98 mm-hmm. percent so there there's some good success behind those rates that we quote because we do retain our staff because they stay and, they, and they're happy that we provide them a good working environment They have great benefits, and those things are not cheap sometimes. So we'd rather spend that money and make sure that we have good, happy staff. So, yeah, I don't think, again, it's never going to go away, but at least we try to give them as much education as we can. So when they're doing the proper comparisons, and they realize that you're not going to get much for that low-dollar quote. You're going to learn the hard way, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, it is unfortunate. And what is your position on remote versus office you have a facility do you encourage all clients use a facility or do you give them the option and how are you seeing that trend
1: yeah i mean since covid19 has ended we've seen i mean again a lot of our a lot of our clients they do prefer to have their staff on site because again we are we're we are in a niche um, service offering. So a lot of the traditional roles that do work well, which is okay, customer service, level one, level two tech support, there's a lot of roles that are okay to do working for home, but a lot of the, the clients that we have do want to see their accountants, they want to see their bookkeepers, they want to see their CPAs on site, just because of the work they're doing from a data and security standpoint, they want to have those that data protected. So again, it it just really depends on the client. Of course, if they're doing some some of the work that we do in certain fields, we don't have a problem with them working remote. But again, we provision the laptops, we are an Apple house. So all of our employees have Apple Macs, Apple does an amazing job provisioning the laptops, putting on the proper software for the clients, and then we ship out that laptop to the person that's working from home. So we can control the Laptop and, and control what they're doing on that laptop, which really does keep keep the client happy. So again, right. it just it's a, there's a pros and cons, but again, we've been able to really mitigate the risk when we are deploying laptops with with workers that are remote. And we have employees that are not just in the Philippines. We have independent staff that are working in London. We have um, employees that are in Prague, in Europe. We have uh, other parts of Southeast Asia, Hong Kong, and it's worked out great. But that's kind of the things that we we find, that we can control the laptop and, and make sure it's optimized specifically for the client. And if anything goes wrong, we can shut it down instantly. So that's kind of how we address the remote staffing, working with our customers.
0: Yeah, it's pretty, it's essential now, isn't it? Because no matter your position on whether office or home is better, you, you've also, obviously the client has final say, but obviously there's a big the staff members obviously have a big say as well. Yeah. And if everyone's demanding to be home-based, then it's, it's difficult to push against.
1: It is. But again, that we try to find that medium point, right? Where it's like, Hey, we you know you have to use our computers. We have to provision them properly with the, for the expectations of the customer. Right. So again, that could be easily done deployed with our, with the software and so forth, depending on what they're doing. But if it's done right, then we don't see a problem. It's worked out pretty well. So again, it's all about keeping the client happy and keeping the the staff happy, and make sure that there there's a effort from both sides, so to speak.
0: Mm. You mentioned it only took about five minutes, and you mentioned the AI word. What's your thoughts on that? Is it really sort of you know integrating, penetrating into the outsourcing? Do you think it'll damage kind of job opportunities, or do you think that it will improve processes? What What are your thoughts on the the march of technology automation machine learning things like that
1: yeah i mean this has come up you know even last year and this year as the gp chat all these platforms have popped up right and has been kind of scared when they talk about it as far as the jobs replacing but rapid advancements in technology and ai integration i think the continued advancements in technologies like AI, machine learning, and automation into, the, into our industry may reshape the outsourcing landscape. I think tasks that were traditionally outsourced might be automated, while new opportunities, again, for those higher skilled roles may emerge. So I think, yes, it's going to replace a lot of the um, time-consuming and repetitive tasks that we're used to in the industry, but again, I think people are going to um, upskill themselves. They're going to get properly trained, and they're going to learn um, the other skill sets that will be able to for them to work in. And, and again, again, that's where we see it moving: the advancements with technology and robotics, automation, and again with the you know, and especially with cybersecurity, right? With increased remote work and the outsourcing of, of critical business functions, there's going to be a we feel there's going to be a heightened emphasis on cybersecurity with all this changing and happening with AI and technology. So ensuring that the security of data privacy and sensitive information will be will be a priority for both outsourcing providers and the client you know, companies.
0: But that's- Are you worried that AI might undermine the demand for offshore jobs or do you think that it will complement it and just kind of speed everything up? I think it will speed everything up because, again, we use
1: it when our clients ask for it, right? The chatbots, the technology. Again, I think there's always going to be a human element. I, I don't think the human element will ever go away. I think the AI and what I've seen and we use it today in a lot of different applications for our clients when it comes to customer experience. It complements, right? It. I use it every day, right? When I'm using customer service and I'm contacting people in the US and different companies, it helps because it kind of identifies the questions that you are looking for. And it prompts you to kind of put that data in before you can get it escalated to a human interaction. So I think it's, as long as it's properly managed, I think it's it's a good thing. I think it's gonna, it's gonna help the industry in general. It's being used today, pretty much all over the world. But again, I think from a, a perspective of outsourcing, I think it's gonna, it will help the the jobs. I think the human element, maybe a portion of the human element around customer experience, customer care, might go away in the next couple of years. But again, I think a lot of those people that are in those roles can also, this is an opportunity for them to learn the skill sets. And like I said, upskill themselves with this, the, the product knowledge and getting certifications and learning things online, and get certified, the good thing about the cloud is you can pretty much get out there and learn everything out there. A lot of information is free or or it's not that expensive. There's a lot of, you know, certifications when it comes to we put a a lot of our staff through certifications in line with their career path, we want to help them. Mm -hmm. So let's say you are in the level one customer service, and you're working for a big BPO, you you can train yourself and learn and spend a lot of your off time learning new skill sets. So that when it does happen, this change does go into more effect with AI and technology, you'll be ready. You'll be certified. You'll be able to, you know, apply for those other opportunities, you know, where you weren't ready before. So I think it's all about preparation.
0: Yeah, and the market, you know, I sometimes I worry for the market because I see it getting so commoditized in terms of staffing is just staffing. But in some respects, I see it as such a big opportunity because it it's – the broader TAM or opportunity is basically as big as employment itself, which is obviously one of the biggest industries in the world, if not the biggest. And I just think that we will eventually get to a point where every company in the world hires people globally instead of locally. And as soon as, well, when they hit that tipping point, it's just massive. But I do see, you know, as I said, I do see that things are getting commoditized in terms of the provision. So, how do you stay ahead with Omada One in this highly competitive market? How do you differentiate yourself or, or keep your product cutting edge? Well, again, it,
1: it's yeah, I think it's really focusing on quality over quantity, right? Again, we tell people we're very transparent with our pricing and, and how we set ourselves apart from a lot of the competitors. I think a lot of the tools that we use when it comes to staffing and recruitment, I think building really good relationships and pooling of those candidates, we've got a great reputation. And again, I've been here for quite a while, so I think that's a very good leverage when it comes to setting ourselves apart from a lot of competitors. Is The technology, how we do our staffing and recruitment, and the benefits, again, we offer really good benefits from day one. We don't wait till they go into probation period and things like that. So there's a lot of people that are looking for opportunities not so much for the money, but they're looking for something that's stable, and they can get benefits for their families right away. So a lot of these things that we do, we invest heavily in that employee benefits and the technology. So we can stay on top of those things when they are looking at um, vendors to choose. And They ask us, you mm-hmm. know, how are you with, with, with the with benefits for, we want to make sure our staff are not are, are, are taken care of. <clears throat> we walk them through that. We, we, we show all that um, when I'm giving proposals. So I, I provide that inside our proposals so they can see the provider that we work with, the healthcare from day one, getting their laptops from day one. Um, and we're a fair price. We don't, you know, we share that with them, that the majority of the price that we quote them on, majority of that is is going towards their salary, right? And that we break it down if they ask, here's what it costs for benefits, and workstation, laptop, We don't have a problem. We try to be transparent with uh, the customers, Mm. So it does resonate well with people when you do that, when it comes to the comparisons.
0: Yeah. And in some ways it doesn't need to be overcomplicated, does it? Because you look at traditional employment in the West or anywhere, you know, it hasn't really evolved much over the last kind of 500 years. You know, you, well, I don't know, maybe two or 300 years, but you employ them, you keep them happy. There's the HR principles, there's management principles. You give them a good environment and it doesn't need to be overly complicated or overly sort of technologized, does it? You know, it's just running a good service, treating staff well yes, and connecting that's the right. two ends. It, it doesn't need to go too far away from that, does it? And then if you do your job well, there's just such a massive market because there's another 40 million businesses that are yet to outsource. And I think that wave is coming soon. It, yeah, I mean again I
1: I try to I guess you you said it I try to keep it simple. I don't try to complicate things. You know, we transparency and just being st- straight up with them from day one. Letting them know this is what we offer. This it's all about the finding the right person for you. The staffing model is pretty pretty basic, you know. Yeah, you know, people are looking for any angles. And I tell them, this is what sets us apart, right? It, it, yes, it's a highly competitive industry, But our strategic approach, again, uh, being transparent, we also have a process that we call, paired with the staffing, which we call crawl, walk, run. And it's kind of just, again, that implementation when it comes to onboarding part of the recruitment strategy. We, again, the process really begins with the careful monitoring around that sourcing of outcomes. It's really gradually moving towards setting the productive goals, helping. We also help with the clients establishing the job descriptions, right? So we w- once they've completed the job descriptions, they get it back to our HR and recruitment. That really approach ensures a smooth transition once we understand the role, right? And then the initial observation um, to walk them through it when we start the sourcing and identify, let's say, two to three top candidates for them. Because that's really what they want. They want a really seamless um, process. They want to know that we can shortlist pretty quickly some good staff. And then we put them in front of them and then we also give them the opportunity to also be part of that final bedding of the staff but as far as the interview process
0: but that's pretty much it yeah yeah it's it's so beautiful in its simplicity isn't it and you know i think that's part of the messaging as well and part of the education it, it it's not complicated it doesn't need to be complicated and it's just like traditional employment except they're sitting in a different location and i think yeah. you know businesses in the west that are scared to get going scared to try it they sort of see it as something a lot more, a lot more scary or complex or committal. And it's just really kind of getting people started with the model that they're so familiar with. You know, the, as a business, they mm-hmm. would have been employing a lot of people over years already. So it's just an extension of that. But slowly, yeah. slowly, I think the world's getting there. Slowly. And yes. do you think that it will become a default? You know, I whether it's outsourcing or call centers or whatever, or remote work, uh, you know, I just feel that, the time of localized employment is Mm -hmm. kind of over, you know? Like, why on earth would you, especially if you're from a small town, a small catchment, why on earth would you just limit your employment uh, pool from that area? It it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and and again, I'm I'm with you 100%. The globalization and educating people to start outsourcing, it just makes business sense. You know, why limit yourself and and your local area when you can find really good top quality talent pool, you know, globally, Mm. not just the Philippines, but all all over the world. And I think for any outsource solution um, to be successful, again, we talk about the simple basic factors, but I mean, the, the three core factors, again, team, time, and trust, right? Those are the, I would say the, what we've built, you know, our program around. So when, again, those factors in place and. Put the right people in front of them and you provide them a great working environment at a a fair market price then i think we'll start to see that like you said people that are haven't considered outsourcing they'll start to open up start to put their guard down and and be more acceptable to opportunities that we can provide them and help because at the end of the day we're here to help their business grow scale and grow and help them with a lot of those time consuming low marginal work that they shouldn't be focusing on anyways they should be focusing on growing their business and doing what they do best. And that's where we come in.
0: Yeah, it's a huge opportunity, isn't it? You know, I mean, just people are paying for the staffing and then there's a little bit of margin on top, but they get you along with the bride, you know? It's amazing. You know, you've been living in the Philippines 15 years. You've been deeply involved in outsourcing, staffing, business solutions. Not that you're necessarily directly working for them, but it's all part of the package, isn't it? And it's helping people guide What's happened? Guide people and, and getting the business results they need. It, it's just such plus they can save 40 to 62 percent. Like it's a no-brainer, isn't a, it? You it, know, they get a, all it, of that it's, support. It's a, they're getting all that support from an entrepreneur
1: that's been there and done, that's you know, built four or five companies and, and sold them off with a great exit. And so they're getting that as part of the package. So when we talk to people, they they might not see that right away, but then they do a little more background they and research and they're like wow yeah this is not your first this is not your first rodeo um, I, I tell them no it's not i'm here to help you scale and grow this is what these are the areas that we, we can help you with uh, this is not your business you, let us help you let us help you scale and grow and build your business and this is a great model to do it outsourcing
0: outsourcing will really help you with your company um, yeah so once, they, on once that, they you know scale, a little bit uh, on that Look, I really value a true partnership, and I really think that the client can really go far if they treat it as a true partnership. However, I see that th- there is a little bit of attention because they're feeling like you are a service provider. You know, some of them sort mm-hmm. of refer to you as a vendor. You know, and yeah. kind of diminish you down to a look. Just do the job. Just do the job, and then it's very difficult to offer advice on a partner level and really. Even having a seat at the table, do you find yeah. that much? It's difficult, isn't it? Like they so quickly want to sort of put you into a closet. Look, we'll pay the invoice, go away. Don't tell me how to run my business. Like, do you find that, or do you find that a lot of people are I open to <laughs> more? Are getting a little- I do. I don't want yeah, to. Wanna- I have clients right now that are like that. They completely,
1: they have no information. They don't, they have no regard as far as leveraging uh, our expertise to help them. Thank Other you. than you know, here is your invoice. This, how's, how's the staff doing? They don't want to have the, the meetups. They don't want to have the reviews that we offer either bimonthly or monthly and with our operations teams and show them they want to see the KPIs, but they just hands off from uh, from our mm-hmm. side. They want to do it themselves and just send us invoice. We're happy that the staff's on time and they show up to work. And, but yeah, unfortunately we have to bite our tongue. It's not a large portion. I would say probably 15% don't really want our advice and guidance so when it comes to that but the good thing is most are are becoming more receptive and open to to our suggestions because we've been there and done it we've been doing it for a long time so the model works what we're doing works it's been proven over and over we've got the clients and the case studies and everything to show them it's just some people are just not open to having us serve as a guiding light you know for them but that's okay you know again if we can capture 75 85 and help them and that's good for me uh, i'm yeah. happy with that right we can't change them all but we try our best
0: <laughs> no it's just being available if people want a conversation isn't it as well as just having that sounding block and having that sport yeah yeah timothy well fantastic Good conversation and great to share your insights and also your fifteen years of experience in, in the Philippines. As always, I encourage people to reach out and just have that conversation and say, you know, specifically talk about their business and, and how it can transform them. How can they reach out and get in touch or learn more?
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Again, I'm I'm here to help the people out there listening if you need questions or help. I'm always here to help and offer advice. Um, Feel free to contact me anytime. The best way I would say would be by email, which is timothy at omada1.com, or they can also find me on LinkedIn, which is the same, but LinkedIn slash timothywataki. Those are the probably the best ways to reach me. But again, I'll, I'm
0: will i always available. I'm always happy to help. That was Timothy Wataki of Omada One. As always, if you're on any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to send us an email, just email us at ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.